This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. And tonight, we are getting more details here on the Rita Cosby Show as to the subway shooter's final hours. What he did, we've always been wondering, where was he after, you know, he did the shooting up on the subway train? What was he doing? Where did he spend the night? We know that he was at this McDonald's because he even called from the McDonald's himself and said, hey, I understand that you're looking for me. And now we're getting details as to where he was. And this comes at a time where five New Yorkers are going to be splitting a $50,000 reward for the arrest of Frank James, who is now charged with one count of terrorism, a terrorist attack. On the New York City subway, of course, on Brooklyn, where he opened fire, shooting 10 people. So tonight, I want to get your thoughts as to the fact that five people are getting the reward. I think, by the way, it's great that citizens were calling in saying, hey, he's over here. Hey, he's over there. I think that that is so important and getting the public engaged because the people you know, saw the picture everywhere. I mean, it was all over the news. And I do say bravo to the NYPD for putting it out right away, piecing it together. Remember, he left because it looked like his gun had jammed. And also he had the shell casings and the magazine casings and that key tied to the U-Haul van, which he rented, was left behind at the scene, as well as the gun uh, that he bought himself in Ohio years before. And they were able to put it together, put out the word, okay, here is the guy. Let's put a lookout. Let's try to find this man. And his picture was everywhere. And in fact, when he called it in, he said, hey, by the way, I'm here at the McDonald's in the East Village. I understand you're looking for me. I see my picture all over the place. So tonight, some people are wondering, should these citizens be getting money? He called it in. Remember, isn't that bizarre? I remember when the story broke, I thought, oh, my goodness, what a weird twist to this, that the guy actually called himself in. He actually gave the tip. Of course, you're not going to give the guy the $50,000. I'd like to give him 50-plus years behind bars at minimum. But it's interesting that some people are saying, well, should there be a $50,000 reward distributed to citizens? On one hand, I think it's great because I want to encourage people to come on out and report things because, boy, is that important to the city. But also, on the other hand, this guy called in, which is such a bizarre, weird twist. So what do you think? Do you think the money should go to these five individuals who said, well, he was right down the street or he was walking over here or he was going over in this direction? What do you think? Do you think that some funds should go to these five individuals? Or do you think that maybe nobody should get the funds? I certainly don't think a dime should go to this creep. But I want to hear your thoughts on this. And now we're also finding out that he was just kind of hiding in plain sight. I mean, it's really stunning to hear how this guy spent the last 24 hours right after the shooting. You know, he hops on the nearby train, the adjacent train, 
And now we're finding out that he was just kind of walking around town. And in fact, the day that he did get arrested, he went, as it turns out, he went to a restaurant in Chinatown. Then he goes and grabs a lunch at Katz's Deli. That's a good place, by the way. It's an excellent place. But, you know, not that you want to see that guy in the restaurant at that time. And then he goes on his food tour and he apparently continues and goes to the East Village McDonald's. So now he's had a whole bunch of meals by this time. And he's like, well, maybe I'll just kind of turn myself in or at least put a call to the NYPD. And then he even said, apparently, according to a number of reports, that, you know what, I'm actually going to go charge my phone. So if I'm not here at the McDonald's when you come, you know what, you might be able to locate me at a place where I'll be charging my phone. And it turns out he did apparently go to some place where he was getting the phone charged. I mean, how bizarre is that? And then he was walking down the street and then individuals saw him. We also know that somebody at the McDonald's also called in. So that was a good thing. But I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to the $50,000. Should they indeed go to individuals when we know that he himself did call in and say, hey, I understand you're looking for me. Here is a little bit from his attorney who talks about that call. This is the attorney of Frank James after his first arraignment yesterday. Take a listen. What we do know is this. Yesterday, Mr. James saw his photograph on the news. He called Crime Stoppers to help. He told them where he was. And she was saying that, indeed, she feels... That it was a good sign. So how are they going to use this also in his defense? That's another thing that's really interesting to me. How are they going to use this? Because she made a point of saying he called law enforcement. You just heard that part. He called in. So how will they use this as they are piecing the case together? It is really fascinating. And meanwhile, this guy, of course, was there in plain sight, not just in plain sight, it seems, in New York. And in fact, we're hearing some other ominous stories, of course, that as he was leaving the subway after the brutal attack, he's walking out, he's exiting, and he's exiting in a location where a number of the also of the victims were walking out at the same time. Like there's video, apparently, of people seeing him walking amongst the victims, like the victims not realizing that he's standing right in front of them because he had changed into like a black outfit. Remember, he had the construction outfit and he had the hat on. He had all that stuff. So they couldn't recognize, needless to say, that it was him. They were looking for the construction vest. Remember the the bright construction vest and the bright hat and all that stuff. And he had the gas mask and all those things on. But he had already done a quick change and goes into a black outfit and walks off. And then you see this guy, you see him walking in a black outfit right in front of them out of the subway. I mean, think about just how insane that he is literally there in plain sight. And then we find out, so where was he staying? I was always wondering this, like, where was this guy staying? Where did he spend the night? Did he spend the night? You know, at maybe potentially, you know, at, at a, uh, you know, on the subway or somewhere else. Turns out he actually spent the night at a hostel not too far from the 10th precinct. This is bizarre. The night of the attack, he stayed at the Chelsea International Hostel on West 20th Street. And an employee at the hostel, at the hostel it says after a lot of deliberation, when asked about the notorious guest, admitted that he was there and the 10th precinct station house of the NYPD is across the street 
and several doors down. I mean, this is just one wild story after another, one weird twist. And this guy was also hiding in plain sight, as we even heard from Mayor Eric Adams, who was talking about how crazy it was that this guy was up in social media. I want to play. This is Frank James, and this is him talking on his YouTube discussing just this horrible, nasty vitriol. you got to take a listen to some of the stuff that was out there in plain sight on social media. Take a listen. And so what I want to suggest in this video is that we should not embrace, we should not accept the white devil blood that we have in us because of the way that it was forced upon us. We should try to find a way, just like Demi did in that scene from Exodus, to uh, reject that devil that's in us, even to the point of, of committing suicide, so to speak. Isn't that wild? This is what he was saying on social media over and over and over again. And so many people are coming out today and in the last two days and saying, how could this be? How could he have been allowed to stay up there on social media and continue this horrible vitriol? So I want to hear your thoughts tonight. As to, boy, did a lot of people miss the mark that he's sitting there hanging out. He's in all these restaurants. Wasn't like he was hiding. And he actually stayed at a hostel across the street from the 10th precinct. I mean, was this like a game of cat and mouse or was he just kind of doing his thing? And it's such a big city that in any big city, somebody could kind of get lost and you don't expect that they would be there. He's changed You know, they didn't have a really good description because remember he had a gas mask on and they were looking for somebody in a construction outfit. So how could this be? This is just really wild. And do you think that these other people, like maybe the guy at the restaurant and also maybe some of these other folks, deserve some of the money? My gut says, yeah, they should still get some because they still called it in. I mean, who would have ever thought that this guy would call himself in? So what are your thoughts on all this tonight? I'm going to be taking your calls on that. And we're also going to be talking about big developments in Russia because Vladimir Putin is saying he is going to up the ante and basically do an all-out assault on Ukraine after his flagship has sunk. He won't admit that the Ukrainians did it. But it looks like we are in for another brutal phase of the war. We're going to talk about that and also the border because more secret migrant flights coming into Westchester and also many more flights and many more buses coming in cities across the country. And now the Texas governor is sending many people to the nation's capital and saying he has had enough. So lots of big hot topics here tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. And I love on Friday nights because I love getting your calls from all over the place on what you think of these big hot topics that are happening here in the news. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, I also want to thank all of you because of you, the greatest audience in the world, the Rita Cosby Show, which you're listening to right now, received a Gracie, one of the top Gracie Awards, which is one of the top awards for women in the country in broadcasting for talk show. We got it for best talk show. And it is because I have the greatest audience in the world and the best, I think, folks in the world that tune in. And that is all of you. So I just want to say thank you because the award for the Rita Cosby show as the best talk show in the country, uh, basically from the Gracie's Award, which is a really esteemed board, uh, is because of all of you. 
And I love sharing this show with all of you. So the award is also your award. And I say thank you to all of you who tune in to the show night after night after night. And I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much. Let's go to your calls. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Elena on line one. Elena, can you believe, isn't this wild that this guy was like hanging out in plain sight? Rita, usually um, in history, there is something about Caesar that says, beware the eyes of March, propaganda and betrayal. I think he falls in that category. He betrayed black people, white people, yellow people, all kinds of people. And he also betrayed the police department. But that's not why I called, Rita. I called with not a hot topic, but a blessed topic. May I? Absolutely. Go ahead. Absolutely. Rita, it is the season for prayer, the season for um, meditation, the season for thought, and the season for love. Uh, Muslims are celebrating their holiest days. The Jews are celebrating their holiest days, and today is Good Friday for the Christians. So, Rita, Easter blessings with a pesanka and a babka, the Polish way. Thank you, Jenkuye, Jenkuye Barzo, and Elena, thank you. Love hearing from you, and bless you to you and your family and to everybody listening out there. Elena, thank you. You put a big smile on my face. We're going to continue, everybody, with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show on this Good Friday. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. America, by the way, in some of the latest polls that have come out, crime is consistently... One of the top three items that not just in New York and not just in places like Seattle and not just in places like Memphis, Tennessee and Dallas um, and Florida, it is consistently in the top three almost in every state in this country because crime is such a huge issue, especially in the major cities right now, repeat offenders and also just the fear So when people see the headlines of what happened in Brooklyn, New York, it is sending chills across not just, of course, New York City, but also it is sending chills across the country. What are your thoughts about all of this? And also the fact that this guy was really in plain sight. I mean, it's wild to hear that he was just kind of lollygagging around after he opened fire so ruthlessly on a subway car filled with innocent people. And thank goodness they survived, but they are traumatized for the rest of their lives and anybody else, too, that was there as well. But there were 10 people who were shot, as we know, including, you know, a number of people that were injured were children. And now we're finding out that the 62-year-old Frank James was hanging out. He went to a couple different restaurants. Then he went to McDonald's and he charged his phone. Then he was just kind of walking around 
And then, of course, when police arrested him, he just kind of surrendered. You don't see him resisting arrest. There have been no accounts of that. He also, when he rented the U-Haul van, there are physical images because they got him all over the place. And you see him entering Brooklyn via the Verrazano Narrows Bridge in that rented U-Haul cargo van at 4.11 a.m. on Tuesday. And then he kind of just strolled casually around a subway station and then, as we know, open fire on terrified strap hangers about five hours later. It is an unbelievable account of how he spent his time and what he was doing and where he was when literally the whole country was looking for him, wondering what city, what state, what country maybe is he in? You know, you could have hopped on a plane. And yet he was here in New York City. What are your thoughts about this? And now today with the announcement that five people will be receiving the $50,000 reward, they're going to be splitting it. Do you think that that's a good use of the money or is there something else that should be happening? I don't think a dime should go to this guy, by the way. Don't even go there, guys. one 800 848 Let's go to William on line three. William, your thoughts about this reward and the fact that this guy was... He actually spent the night, I couldn't believe it, at a hostel right across the street from the 10th Precinct Station House of the NYPD. Isn't that wild? It's crazy because, Rudy, you know why? Because people don't watch TV anymore. You don't see those blazing televisions going off continuously and they don't pay attention. And the point that I wanted to make about the reward is they should reinvest that money into a camera in that station or multiple stations where it's high definition and we can see these creeps come through when they try to, like, attack Brooklyn or something. I was thinking about the economic damage that is done, like millions of dollars of tourist money that Brooklyn is going to lose, Manhattan will lose, Queens. And I mean, it just makes me sick. And I hope this guy never sees the light of day. You know, William, I agree with you. By the way, you know, the other thing that could be interesting is the money goes to a fund for the victims. You know, what about, you know, some of the money, some of that 50000 or maybe some other money? And listen, you know, people around this country are so generous, um, but I do hope that there is some sort of victim fund set up for those 10 individuals and the others, too, who are also injured, too, as well, because a lot of people, you know, had the smoke inhalation. They were many of them were stepped on because it was panic. You know, you can't even imagine how terrified they were. But you bring up a great point about the cameras, too. I mean, the fact that those cameras and and now there are reports that there were complaints about those cameras, even in the weeks and days before that they were not working. I mean, it is obscene. And you also brought up the great point, William, of the damage that something like this does to New York City. Listen, I was born in New York, you guys. I was born in Brooklyn. I love this city. And to me, when I hear that people now say, oh, I don't want to go to New York, I can't tell you how many messages I got. And I'm sure you guys, too, many of you listening You know, and many of you who have visited New York or have friends in the city or relatives in the city. I got so many messages when this happened from people saying, you know, friends of mine in North Carolina and friends of mine in Florida and a friend in in Tacoma, Washington, messaging me and saying, are you okay?" And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Luckily, you know, I wasn't on the subway. Friends weren't on the subway, but I'm so sad for New York, so sad for what's going on. But you're right. It has such huge, lasting implications for the city because they see that 
They see the shooting that happened in Times Square. They see the stories of people being pushed on the subway also. So many of these issues that are above ground and below ground. And they go, I don't want to go to New York City. I mean, you think about how much it hurts tourism. It hurts hotels. It hurts our reputation. And everybody who is trying to bring this city back, it just makes the job so much harder. Let's go to Tom on line five. Tom, your thoughts about this and the money. What do you think? Hi, Rita. Congrats on your uh, Gracie Award. Oh, thank you. And and Tom, I tell it to everybody because I feel like I have the greatest listeners in the world like you. And to me, uh, you know, it's it's a testament to the great team that I have here that puts this show together every day and every night. So thank you, Tom. Yeah, you do have a great team, and I really like talking with you. I think these individuals, I only knew about three of them. I didn't know there was five. Um, I think they that they should get the money because James left McDonald's because the police didn't show after like 20 minutes. And he was walking down the street and the two Syrian guys in the bodega and the one Filipino guy who was um, putting up cameras, they recognized him and they grabbed the cop and told him he was walking down the sidewalk. And then uh, the cops caught up with him and arrested him. Yeah, it is amazing. And and you know what also? I think you want to do it to also convince people that it, it is worthwhile to report these things, that it's critical to report these things. And I think for that reason, it's also pivotal. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing, and it's Good Friday, so I want to give a good shout-out to our great men and women in law enforcement. And a beautiful story coming out of Clintonville, Wisconsin, where an officer is being recognized for her heroic efforts saving a baby's life. Officer Garber responded to a home on a report that a five-week-old infant was choking and not responsive. And when the officer arrived, she saw that the infant's parents were trying to do whatever they could. And then she checked on the baby, who was blue in the face, had no pulse, and was not showing signs of breathing. Very serious. So Officer Garber quickly began life-saving measures. And after about 40 chest compressions... The baby began crying, a sound of joy, also breathing and regaining color. Now, once the child was safe, Officer Garber turned her attention to the parents, offering them comfort during the traumatic experience. Now, it's about a month after this incident, and Officer Garber is appropriately being hailed a hero for her actions. A special ceremony was held this week where she was presented with the life-saving award And in attendance for that moment were fellow officers as well as the family and the baby that she helped. Bravo to Officer Garber and to our great men and women in uniform. I always love doing the Back the Blue segment every night. Uh, To me, our law enforcement officers do such incredible work. And so I love being able to recognize them on this show every night. And also, by the way, our Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great men and women in the military and also their families. That's coming up in about an hour. So definitely stay tuned to that. These are my two favorite segments that I do every night. And I love being able to shine a light on so many of our great heroes that are among us. Well, we are talking about heroic actions of citizens that did definitely play a role in capturing the guy. Ultimately, this is Frank James, who was a repeat offender with a long rap sheet, by the way, nine prior arrests in New York alone, 
three in New Jersey. And also, this was a guy, it seemed like a neon sign basically at the end because it looks like he was hanging out at a Chinese restaurant, then at the famous Katz's Deli, then he went to the McDonald's, then he charged his phone. But luckily, some citizens did say, Listen, I saw him at the restaurant. There was a restaurant worker at McDonald's who said, I saw him here. So because when law enforcement got this tip from the guy and he said, listen, you know, I think you're listen looking for me. My picture's all over the place. I'm basically the guy. I want to help. What a bizarre call. Well, law enforcement probably at first, I'm surmising, probably were like, is this really the guy or is this just a prankster? Because, you know, you get a lot of these kind of kooky calls coming in at the time. So then also a McDonald's worker also called in and said, listen, the guy was right here. And then also citizens said they saw him walk by, including this guy, Zach, who now has been coming out all over the place and describes how he saw him literally walking down the street past him and told police, there's the guy. Take a listen. My name is Zach. I was uh, working inside that store and I was doing security cameras inside. And I see the guy, he walking from the screen. I see him from the cameras. So I thought, oh, shit, this guy. Let me call the police. And I call him and we catch him. And thank God they did get him because this guy clearly had other things in store. And the other thing that's really frightening and, you know, as details are emerging in this case of the Brooklyn subway shooter, you're looking at what they found on him. They found a can of gasoline. They found apparently a torch with them. They found a hatchet with them. Of course, they found that gun, the 9mm Glock, and also magazines that had not been expensed yet. They also were shell casings on the floor. But what was he planning on doing with a hatchet? What was he planning on doing with gasoline cans? What was he planning on doing with a torch? This is actually getting really, really scary. What could have happened with this guy? Uh, what was he planning? And clearly, if you look at his social media, this guy really had anger and violence all over him. And he was telecasting it for the world to see on his social media for years. Take a listen. Oh, well, you know, we're all human beings, bunch of bull****. And how color doesn't really matter. You know, that's bullshit also. Yes, color does matter. There's a reason why you have white people and black people on, on the planet. There's a reason you have uh, uh, so-called yellow people and, and, and brown and red people on the planet. There's a reason for that. It is, there's a reason, a reason in nature. There's nothing to do with what goes on in our fucking heads. Nature has determined that we should separate out, and we have done that. And we have done that. Really scary to see what this guy was thinking, what was he planning, what was he orchestrating? There are so many questions, and clearly he had very evil mind and evil mentions all over his YouTube. And that was on there for years, starting in 2013. Some of these posts were up there, and up until a few days before the attack. And clearly he planned it out. So there's a lot of stuff going on here tonight. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anna on line eight. Anna, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts about the money and also the mindset of this guy. Yes, this is Anna. Hi, Rita. Um, yes, I believe that the the guy that told the cops, you know, that he's right up the block that to go check it out. I think he should get it and the victim so they could pay the hospital bills. 
You know what? That is a great idea, Anna. Um, exactly that the money should go to the victims. Um, and, and listen, on the other hand, I also think the guys like the one who we just heard, Zach, you know, who was there and he, when the cops came, cause they were driving around, even though you would think, okay, he's right down the block. It still is quite a hunt to try to find somebody, you know, it's crowded, you know, this is in the afternoon, you know, on Wednesday, there's a lot of people out and about in the East Village, you know, even though, you know, he called it the McDonald's, there's still a lot of, you know, a lot of places somebody could get lost. There's still a lot of people there. And he did say, hey, the guy just walked by me here. He's over there. I see him right there. Um, so I think people like that and some of the others should get it. Maybe there's another fund that gets set up for, you know, for the victims uh, to be able to help them. I mean, clearly, I don't think this guy should get a dime. I, You know, it's interesting, Anna. What do you think? What do you make of the fact that his attorney is out there saying, you know, he called the cops on himself? Like, she brought that up after the first arraignment. Um, and I want to play also, and I want to get your take on this. This is cut number four. This is uh, Frank James, the defense attorney, commenting after court yesterday. It's really weird where the defense attorney's going. And, and Anna, I want to get your take after you hear this. This is his attorney. Initial press and police reports in cases like this one are often inaccurate. Mr. James is entitled to a fair trial, and we will ensure that he receives one. What do you make of that, Anna? It's like she's laying the groundwork for something. Like, you know, he called the cops on himself. Like, in other words, he, what is she thinking? He's going to get the money or that, like, or that, you know, he's trying to help and he should get credit for helping. It's odd, don't you think? No, I, I think that he waited till he hear that they were having a big reward, so, and then he called it in. Because all that time that he was out there, he, he didn't call it in. He didn't call on himself. You know what? That's an interest. You know what's an interesting point? Do you? Let me ask you, Anna. Do you think he thinks like, like I'm going to get the money in his crazy, twisted mind? Yes. That's bizarre, yeah. isn't that? Isn't that bizarre, Anna? But but so you know that's what? How low he is. That's how low he is. You know, Anna. I I actually think you're probably right. I mean, it is, and actually, it, you know, I hadn't thought about it until this moment. But maybe in his own crazy mind, because he's out there shopping, he's out there doing this. He's clearly, you know, got a lot of mental issues. Even though there's a lot of planning done, clearly here. But you know, as I'm thinking, maybe he's thinking in his mind. Oh, I'm going to get that $50,000 I technically, quote, helped or something. I mean, at that moment, he knows his pictures everywhere. Maybe he thinks at least I'll get 50000 bucks, not realizing he's never going to see the light of day. That 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 is wild, Anna. I mean, that that I think I actually think, you know, I think you and I have hit something on this guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Anna, thank you. Let's go to Norman on line seven. Norman, this is so wild. What do you make? Anna yeah. and I were just talking. Maybe he did think in some twisted part of his mind he was going to get the money, Norm. What do you think? Uh, I don't know what was going through his mind, but, uh, you know, I mean, concerning the reward for the five callers, um, you definitely want the citizen. You you definitely want the honor, the the reward, because you want citizens to come forward under these circumstances. So you can't renege. That's why I think, too, Norm, exactly for the same reason, because even though it sounds like he did the first tip off, I also would surmise that the cops were very skeptical of somebody calling and saying, hey, it's me. And then suddenly a worker calls in and says it certainly absolutely validated that it was the guy calling, you know, when you had all these other reports in the area. 
And you don't want to dissuade people from not calling, you know, and not doing their part because they did clearly play a role. And I I think whenever there's a reward, whatever it takes to bring people to justice. And I think if good people do good things, they should be rewarded. I I agree, Norm. Thanks so much, Norm. Let's go to Craig on line six. Craig, your thoughts. What do you think should happen with the money? First of all, Rita, congratulations on your Gracie Award. Oh, thank you so much. And and it's a testament to all of you who listen to the show. So thank you so much. Oh, you're up for the Marconi next. Oh, what about what about um Globetrotter, World Globetrotter? Can I get that award too? No, the Marconi Award is the best. Yeah, by the way, the Marconi is a great award. You're right. I've never I've never applied for that. I've never thought of that, but I should, because that is a good one. Actually, there's so many great, you know, folks out there. We love what we do, Craig. You know, and that that to me is the to be with you guys every night is the is the best award of all. The guy's insane. You know, this remember Jesse James? Oh yeah. Yep, yep, yep. His brother was James. Hey, you know, you're right. Actually, that's an interesting point, Craig. Thank you very much. That's an interesting point. Same last name. Same crazy mindset. Good point. Uh, let's go to Rob on line five. Rob, your thoughts about all this? Well, first I want to say I love the hell out of you, girl. I oh, love you. thank you, Rob. Thank you. Right back at you. Thank you. You, you deserve uh, uh, further awards. Now, I want to I want to share something with you. I was on the uh, I was scheduled to be on the D train heading from the Upper West Side into Brooklyn that morning. Oh, was, my was, goodness. Was, it was my schedule. And when I woke up that morning, Rita, I just decided I'm not going anywhere. Now, I don't know if I was just being lazy. I didn't feel like going from Manhattan to Brooklyn at that moment. I was a little sleepy still. Or if it was my spidey senses kicking in. And, you know, so I didn't go because I would have been stuck on a D in a dark tunnel for like three hours or something. So I'm really glad that I didn't go from Manhattan to Brooklyn on that D train as scheduled. Wow. Now, wow. As, you know, yeah, I'm really glad I didn't do it. Um, now, as far as the 50 grand, with the state of the Democratic Party today, I'm sorry, I got to say it. It's as if. The people in power, in control of the Democratic Party, it's like they would want him to get every penny of the 50 grand and set him free. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I will say that many a true word is said in jest. Or what do you make of the quip? Well, but you know, it's interesting, Rob, that my first thought, and I said this too, was when he got, you know, arrested and they charged him on the one count of terrorism charge. I was so happy to see that, first of all, because it's a federal charge and this don't mess around, uh, you know, contrary to exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, the fact that there have been a lot of soft on crime DAs and soft on crime legislatures. The FBI isn't known for being soft on crime. And so when they get somebody and they get them on a federal charge, usually that charge A usually sticks and B, it's usually a lot of time. Uh, there's no, uh, you know, it's no free ride usually when you get a federal severe charge like this, especially when it's on a vinyl, a violent charge. But he's charged with that one count of creating terror on mass transit. And that is a federal terrorism charge. And it has life in prison. So the good news is 
I was so happy for the exact reason that you were just saying, you know, that that it wasn't a local jurisdiction that he was under in terms of anywhere. There's a lot of places. Can you imagine if he was like a... You know, uh, wherever, you know, I mean, if it was uh, Alvin Bragg or if it was George Gascon in L.A. or if it was the guy in Philly or in San Fran. I mean, some of these guys, if you look at the track record of this guy, clearly soft on crime judges and D.A.'s let him out before uh, under different, you know, different D.A.'s, but still same pattern. Clearly, this guy had a violent pattern and he was let go time and time and time again. Uh, obviously, this is so serious. I would think anybody would put him behind bars. But the great news is because it's a federal charge, he is really going to be paying some serious time. But, you know, it's wild, uh, you know, to hear the comments from his attorney, Rob. What do you make of of the attorney saying maybe the facts aren't all accurate and also to say that he called the cops on himself? He was trying to help. Where Where do you think the defense attorney for this guy is going, Rob? Well, it's her job to do that. And, you know, I understand where she's going. She's just trying to she's going to throw as much mud against the wall as she can and hope something sticks. But that's just her job. But I would say that as it relates to the FBI and any other entity that would be involved, to me, it comes down to just how many of them are in there by way of men like George Soros. Uh, So the soft on crime stuff is really being propelled by men like George Soros. And so I, I guess it depends on if any of the people involved moving forward are in any way within that ilk. I, I do think that they got squeezed here where even if they did want to set them free and give them the 50 grand, they obviously can't get away with that. So it is being said in jest, but, but that's who these people are. I mean, there are countless examples. Uh, all these DAs, that are George Soros funded, um, and 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 people like George Soros, uh, that ilk. I, I think that it's not unintended consequences; it's intended consequences. Oh and yeah, I think and and Rob, a hard march. and Rob, I hear you because you know, like Gascon, who I brought up, the L.A. D.A. And Rob, thank you very much for the call. Great call on Friday night. Always good to hear from you, Rob. Um, but I also think George Gascon, in particular, the L.A. guy, got a million dollars in his campaign. No wonder he won the L.A. race there, because guess what? When you have that kind of money, those kind of funds, it certainly helps. And you're right. Those are by design. Luckily, the feds, it's a different process and there's a lot more steps. And when there are federal charges, they're much more severe. They usually stick. And again, the attention given to this case, I don't think this guy is ever going to see the light of day. Uh, and that's a good thing for all of us. 1-800-848-9222. What do you think should happen to the reward money? Should these people get it? Or do you think, like Anna and I were just talking, and Norm too, that this guy maybe thought he was even going to get the $50,000 reward if he called in on himself? Do you think that that might be the premise behind why he called and said, hey, I'm here, you're looking for me? 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show on this Friday night. A little Bon Jovi here on The Rita Cosby Show on a Friday night. And we are talking about some more wild details that have just been emerging in the last few hours surrounding the final hours that this guy was on the street, the Brooklyn subway shooter. 
And after the arraignment yesterday, he's being held, thank goodness, on federal charges, as we were just talking about, with no bail. Thank God on that one, too. Boy, um, his defense attorney came out and made some really strange statements. Listen to how she phrased what happened. Remember, it was her client who got on the train and opened fire. It was her client who put the gas mask on and then started shooting at everybody. It was her client who then changed his clothes and then put on a black, you know, black outfit and was walking around. Um, it was her client who made all these horrible things that we've seen all over social media. But if you listen to the way the attorney for Frank James, who's now being held without bail, thank goodness, as I mentioned on this, um, she makes it sound like her client almost didn't have anything to do with this. Listen to it. What happened in the New York City subway system on Tuesday was a tragedy. It is a blessing that it was not worse. It was a tragedy. Well, it was, yes, it was a tragedy, but it was really, if somebody asked me what was it, I would say it was a heinous crime by an evil man. Isn't that an odd choice of words? Don't you find that odd, the verbiage? And then listen, here's a little bit more of what she had to say after court yesterday defending her client. We are all still learning about what happened on that train, and we caution against a rush to judgment. Where do you think she's going? And what do you make of the fact that he called into police? Do you think he was trying in his twisted mind, thinking maybe he's going to get the 50000 Or do you think he was plotting something else now that we hear that he had a gas can and had a torch with him when he was on the subway? I mean, this is wild. This guy clearly is an evil, horrible person, and yet seems twisted enough that he was hanging around all over New York. He was apparently hanging out at this Chinese restaurant outside, and then he was hanging out at Katz's Deli, and then he was walking around, charging his phone, kind of sauntering around, meandering. I mean, you know, really twisted criminal mind, and then calling up and saying, hey, I understand you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture everywhere. Do you think he's crazy enough that he thought... He was going to get the 50000 Well, we do know that the NYPD is giving it to five people, five New Yorkers who actually saw him and spotted him out. Uh, one of them saying, there's the shooter. We need your help. That was transit workers uh, making comments. Uh, there were a number of people who provided, quote, critical information. So five people are going to be sharing it. But do you think the guy actually thought that he was going to somehow make money off of this? Uh, this is just wild. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Eric, real quick, on line four, your thoughts. Uh, he, I mean, he's, he's crazy, you know, but not insane. Hell, I mean, I'm crazy, but uh, to think he was going to get the reward himself, nope, nobody's that crazy. Nobody's that crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, who knows? You know, Eric, He's he seems like he's a little kooky crazy, and he seems like, but who knows? I mean, he was hanging out in plain sight. That takes somebody who's really crazy. Somebody's got to be nuts to do this. But I agree with you. I don't think he is mentally insane from a legal standpoint. He planned this. He plotted this. And he will pay the price. And he won't get paid. That's for sure. When we come back, we are going to talk about Russia, Ukraine. A big all-out assault, it sounds like, being planned by Russia. What should the U.S. do next? And we are talking about Ukraine because it certainly thinks, certainly seems that things are heightening 
in a very ominous way for the people of Ukraine. They've had some big victories of late. Uh, the Russians aren't admitting it. They make it sound like it was like some uh, fire, like uh, somebody was in the bathroom smoking or something. And that's what caused their biggest flagship to sink. That was in the Black Sea. That was a major blow to the Russians, needless to say. Uh, but now the Russians, in return, even though they're not admitting that it was Ukrainian missiles, and it appears it was two Neptune missiles that actually took out that Russian warship, that is a huge victory uh, for Ukraine and a massive, massive defeat and a very ominous message for Russia. But despite that, they're still saying that they're going to, quote, retaliate for activities on Russian territory. That's the way that the Kremlin is phrasing it. And many people are now saying that it appears that an all-out assault by Russia is about to happen on the country of Ukraine. This comes as, sadly, we have just heard in the last few hours that they found some 900 bodies outside the capital city of Kiev. That's in addition to the ones in Bucha. Remember those horrible images that we saw of citizens, just civilians, laying on the side of the road. Now they're saying that there are 900 more that have just been discovered. And the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, is saying that there are going to be scenes like this basically all over the country. And he's also warning us to brace because Russia is now saying that there will be a massive, massive assault all over the country of Ukraine. And in the meantime, Zelensky is pleading. He's begging for more weapons. He's you know begging for heavy armor. He's saying, you know, this is going to basically be a World War II style fight in the eastern part of his country and maybe in other parts of the country, too. And he's saying we really need massive, heavy weaponry like tanks. Uh, we need uh, more surface to air missiles. We need a whole bunch of other stuff. They would love those MiGs that they still have not gotten yet. And it doesn't look like they're getting them, at least for the time being. But they are saying, give us the weapons. We can win. They're proving they've had some big victories, in fact, and I think they should get it. What the heck are we waiting for, guys? I mean, why are we slow walking this whole process? Why is the Biden administration the other day they said they're going to give $800 million worth of equipment? That's a lot of equipment in addition to all the other equipment that they have been giving Ukraine. Other countries, too, as well are giving it. But yet, for some reason, they're still sort of like being very tepid with giving massive military hardware don't you think right now they have taken out one of the biggest naval ships in russia they took out their prize of the black sea you know it's named after it's the moscow or whatever it is it's named after moscow you know i mean it's like you couldn't get a bigger military prize the ukrainians have the drive they have the courage they got the determination All they got to do is get the best weapons in the world and we can beat this guy. What the heck are we slow walking it for? And now also May 9th is the big day that everybody is thinking right now. And that is because that's the victory day for Russia. And that's when everybody thinks that Vladimir Putin is going to want to have some sort of victory or something that he can brag and have bragging rights to his people by May 9th. And so that's right around the corner. You look at the map. That's not a long time from a military perspective. So what is he planning between now and May 9th? 
Well, people in Ukraine, and you can hear it even in President Zelensky's voice, he is like bracing because you can tell he is in dire straits right now thinking he needs the massive onslaught of military hardware so they can finally kick out Russia once and for all. Why would we want to keep doing this drip, 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 but not really give them the real military might? Why are we still so scared of Vladimir Putin? And think about, do we want to be in a situation like this? What? 10 years from now, 20 years from now, where we're talking about the war in Ukraine and we're still supplying hardware and it's in a bit of a quagmire situation. They just got their butts kicked with this downing of this major ship. Why don't we just make sure his butt gets kicked all the way out of Ukraine? This is now the time, guys. What the heck are we waiting for? 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show here on this great Friday night. And again, at this hour, we're hearing that there are air raid sirens in a number of cities in Russia as they are bracing for what they think will be attacks in almost all parts of the country, particularly in the eastern part. Meantime, this is former CIA Station Chief Dan Hoffman, who said this is what he thinks is ahead in the next few days or weeks for Ukraine. Listen to this ominous warning. I'm sorry to say that uh, that the worst may be yet to come. The way the Russians have attacked Ukraine uh, indiscriminately, uh, I think we're going to see it uh, even uh, at a greater uh, level of intensity. And I actually agree with him, sadly. I think right now, and if you listen to the language, Putin is desperate. He has his back against the wall, they have this ship that has sunk that he wants to tell everybody a hogwash story that uh, somebody was maybe smoking in a latrine or something, and that's what caused it to sink. Uh, so where do you think this is headed, and why is the Biden administration still holding their military might? And Biden so far hasn't even gone to Ukraine. In fact, today we were hearing Zelensky and other people saying, God, it'd be really nice to see him. A lot of people have been going. We saw Boris Johnson there. We saw president of Poland. We saw president of Latvia. We saw a couple different countries going in. But President Biden, who was right there at the border, did not even step foot in Ukraine, let alone go to Kiev and walk the streets as Boris Johnson did. To me, that's a leader. That was great. That sent the best message. So why is our president still slow walking it, guys? And don't you think he should finally step foot and arrive in Kiev? I think he should have somebody fly the MIGs in and then he should say, here are the MIGs. Let her rip, boys. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here's a little bit of President Zelensky saying that the world should now be concerned that this will escalate in a very big way. And that's why it's important to put Putin in his place. Listen to what President Zelensky of Ukraine said just a little bit ago. I think we, all, all, all of the world, all the countries have to be warned because uh, you, you know that it can be not real information, but it, but it can be true, true because when they begin to speak about uh, one or another battles or uh, involve uh, enemies or nuclear weapons or chemi- some chemical, you know, issues, chemical weapons, they should do it. They could do it. I mean, so they, they can. They, for, for them, life of the people is nothing. That's why we should think, not, not, uh, not be afraid, 
I mean that not be afraid, be ready, but uh, but that is not the question for to Ukraine and not only for the Ukraine, for all the uh, for all the world. I think so. Not only a question for Ukraine, but for all the world. So why are we still scared of Putin? And should we be? I mean, obviously, this is serious stakes when you hear Zelensky and others talking about nukes. But if we keep waiting and keep dragging this on, why don't we just do the full military might? Tell Putin, you know what, don't you dare heighten it. What are we going to do, something after the fact? And even after the fact, so far, we've been very tepid. Look what we did after Bucha. We really didn't do anything. We did a couple declarations, and we did a few sanctions, and we got an oligarch's boat. You call that action? I don't. Here is a little bit of General Breedlove. He was a former NATO Supreme Allied Commander, and he said he does not understand what this administration's doing. I just believe that Mr. Putin has been pretty uh, successful at deterring us to this point in the in the conflict, and he's just now looking for that next level of deterrence by threatening us if we continue to send these arms to Ukraine. Yeah, and at what point do we say, you know what? Guess what? We're not going to be bullied. And in fact, President Zelensky gave a great line basically saying the good guys need to have more military might than the tyrants. That's the way the world wins. And I agree with them on that. one 800 848 Let's go to Novak on line one. Novak, your thoughts about this. Happy holiday to everybody to begin with. And thank you very much for having this program where people could voice their opinion. Thank you. I love that. And I love hearing from everybody, Novak. So th- where are you from, by the way, with a name like Novak? I'm from Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> and where are you from? Where's your family from? What's your family history? My family history, I'm a, I'm a mutt. No. <laughs> um, Syrian, Venezuelan, and part Russian. How do you like that? Okay, good. I figured there was some Slavic in there. By the way, I'm half Polish, half Danish, so I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a mutt too, but, but a good mutt. So go ahead. Yeah, what do you think? Do you trust your intuition to begin with? Yeah, I, you try to, okay. but you try to. How about you? Never take an intermission from your intuition is my saying that I abide by. With that being said, Everyone's saying, wondering, what is Putin doing next? That's the problem here. What is he doing now? Why are we questioning that? The United States president, the CIA, security, should say, what would be bigger than what he has done? That's logic. That's not intuition. So what can he possibly do? He flattened the land, basically speaking. Did he not? Yeah. The land now is British rubble. Yep. The people, whatever people can migrate and leave, they're hoping they can get out. So what does your logic say in your intuition? What can he do that could top what he just did? I ask you, and I, I know the answer. Well, I sadly think that the option, and I, you know, it's a sad reality that some sort of chemical warfare or something like that could be on the table from him. I mean, this is a guy, he brought in this guy who's the butcher of Syria, who's the new general in charge of operations. And this guy did that to the people of Aleppo, killing tens of thousands of people. So they've had a history of using chemical weapons. You know, I hope I'm not correct, but I wouldn't be surprised knowing the history of this man. He's a madman. He's desperate. He wants to have a victory. 
He wants to do whatever he can to be able to show that he has a reason to stay in power. Uh, he wants to try to break the will of the Ukrainian people. And, and they've been uh, unbelievable in their determination. Think about the people in Mariupol. There are reports, Novak, that there's like 10,000 people killed there. And there's like more than 100,000 people that are still trapped with no food, no water, nothing. But they are still standing. And that's amazing. Um, so that's what I think. What What is sadly, and I hope I'm wrong, um, but I think he's a desperate man who's up against a desperate timetable. And now his big ship um, has been knocked out. And that is a huge ego blow. That's a huge military blow, a strategic blow. There, there are so many levels that that ship uh, is just so devastating to somebody like a Vladimir Putin. Uh, what do you think, Novak? When you have an ego blow, then you have to come up with a new show. His new show, and I kid you not, there are eight nuclear plants in Ukraine. If he can't have Ukraine, he's thinking in his mind, nobody could have it for 100 years. If he uses those nuclear, nuclear plants, he doesn't have to go there with MiGs and jets. All he has to do is blow up those plants, and then you have the wind shift all around the world. And so that's number one. Let's say number two. What else does he have up his sleeve? Well, for the last 30, 40 years, Russia, period, ever since Khrushchev, they have plants that they sent to the United States. Just think of uh, Bin Laden. He went to college in the United States. Come on. Putin has plants in the United States. Citibank, Morgan Stanley, the stock market. Uh, who knows, maybe even in Washington, D.C. And all of a sudden he said, okay, let's do that upon the phone call. What do we do then when you can't go to Citibank and get your money out? Because Putin says, if I can't get money, my money out, then you can't get your money out. And let me show you how. So that's two intuitions I have. Wow. That, by the way, Novak, that's an interesting point because you're right. It's like, he could try to hack in. We know that they've done hacking before. He could try to hack into a bank or do something like that, freeze accounts, try to do something. Obviously, the U.S. has been preparing for something like that. Hopefully, we have some blockades and some barriers in place, which a lot of these institutions, especially big ones, do have. Um, and your point about the nuke plants, it was scary that at first, remember, he went for Chernobyl. Then he went for the other one. And then they turned Chernobyl back, remember, to the Ukrainians. That was the report like a week ago, a week and a half ago or so. And if he were to do something there, I hear what you're saying, and that is really kind of scary. I wouldn't put anything past this madman. But if he were to do that, guess what? The winds might blow toward Russia, too. You know? I mean, you know, remember, it's not like it's like suddenly it stops at the border. And, you know, Russia is not too far. Belarus, of course, not too far. I mean, you got a lot of those. So, you know, there could also be damage in his country, although I don't even think he cares about his countrymen. I think he just cares about his ego. But I think, sadly, a lot of bets are on the table. And maybe one of our intuitions could prove right. I hope we're both wrong for the sake of Ukraine and the sake of freedom. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you think Putin's next move is going to be? He is vowing an all-out assault on Ukraine after the sinking, even though he won't say it's the Ukrainians, guess who did it, uh, but he's not saying who did it. After the sinking of his major flagship, he is vowing an all-out assault across the country. And there's reports that he's also planning it will be a vast war so he can use that as a reason 
to also draft more people for the military. Then he can conscript them. Isn't that interesting, too, saying, hey, it's a broad, huge war. I need suddenly, you know, 50,000 all on deck or 100,000 all on deck, every man, woman, child, you know. Uh, But it's going to get, I think, sadly, really treacherous. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. And don't be cruel by Bobby Brown. And Putin is certainly the epitome of that. And he is swearing, sadly, that he is going to launch an all-out assault on Ukraine after the sinking of his flagship. And that means things could get a whole heck of a lot worse for the people of Ukraine. Boy, uh, we are bracing. And obviously the world trying to supply a number of weapons to them. But Ukraine saying it is not enough. We still haven't gotten the hard weapons, the heavy weaponry like the MiGs and some more tanks and some other things. And they are predicting that what is expected to happen very soon. They're saying there will be a battle in the eastern part of that country that will resemble World War II style fighting. And that means even on the streets. So they need some long term, but they also need some short term uh, and shortwave, basically, missiles uh, in terms of strike items. Also, hardware that will help them fight literally in some tight corners and some tight streets because it may be, you know, they're describing it basically it could be like a knife fight. It's going to be brutal and it is going to be ugly. And that is really, really sad. Um, let's go to Bill on line four. Bill, your thoughts about all this? Hey, Bill, go ahead, Bill. Let's go to Andrew on line five. Go to Andrew, please. Andrew, go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Rita. Hey, Andrew, what do you my think? My other cell phone, I'm texting pictures of a Ukrainian church to a cute Ukrainian lady because I'm working with a local Fox affiliate in northeastern Pennsylvania. So I've been doing a lot of stories with the Ukrainian church, mostly like fundraisers and food. Easter, you know, the egg artwork. Today I did the Shroud of Jesus processional in this real awesome big Ukrainian church where they march, you know, they do like the reenactment, but not with the cross. So, Andrew, Andrew, what do you think? What what are your thoughts, by the way? And you're right, there's some really powerful stuff that's happening. And this holiday, by the way, I mean, we've even heard from religious leaders saying, you know, let's pray for peace this holiday, you know, as we're heading into Easter weekend, of course, Good Friday. What, what do you think is going to happen next, Andrew? And don't you think it's time to supply them the MIGs? This sort of drip, drip is just creating a stalemate. Um, I think you're probably right. But um, two points. One, I'm worried, like, what if Putin attacks our supply, you know, when we send our weapons over? And also Ukraine itself, which I don't ask, but I'll ask you, why don't, with their tax revenue, why don't they already have these weapons? No Yep. And you know what? They do have some weapons, but they need a lot more because, boy, they're getting attacked by one of the most brutal armies in the world. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great military and, of course, their families, a shout out to a U.S. Army veteran from St. Stephen, Minnesota. Jerome Supin was recently honored by the St. Stephen Post American Legion at a Legion meeting. 
He is the first recipient of their monthly honors meeting for veterans. He is now in his 80s, and he served in Germany in 1957. He was a member of the American Legion St. Stephen branch for 48 years. I think he definitely deserves an award, my goodness. He has also been a Color Guard member all that time and also served as the Legion chaplain for 15 years. And he said that he was so happy being recognized at this time in his life and is the first of what they expect will be many veterans in their community honored for their great service to this nation. Well, we, of course, have many U.S. troops that are right there in NATO countries that border Ukraine, and that includes the 82nd Airborne and a whole bunch of others that are on standby and are also doing training exercises for Ukrainians. But Ukraine is now pleading for much more military might. They are saying that the tea leaves are clear, that Russia is bracing for a huge assault on Ukraine, and it could come at any moment, any day, and they expect it's going to happen in the very near future, especially after they sank that big prize, one of Russia's biggest warships, their flagship, right in the Black Sea. It is sunk. That is a huge blow to Vladimir Putin. And now everybody is saying, hey, what the heck is going on now? Why are we waiting? There are so many military, you know, observers and great military leaders, including a former NATO Supreme Allied Commander, General Breedlove, who says, you know what? This is the time. We can't start sort of playing to Putin. We have to take control and be the leaders of the free world. Listen to what he says. He uses everything that we try to do and tells us that it's going to cause dire consequences. This is all about threatening and and trying to deter us more than we're already deterred. So why are we wagging our tails around Putin? Let's act like leaders. Already all these other country leaders have come into Kiev. They've been walking the streets with You know, Zelensky, who I think has been acting like a great leader, and yet our leader is sort of wagging his tail and kind of like a lapdog and barely giving what they need. They're begging for hardware right now. What do we want to do? See more images like we saw in Bucha? And now we're hearing that there are 900 more bodies that have been found outside the capital city. Well, take a listen. This is Dan Hoffman again, former CIA station chief, and this is what He had to say, he said that this is the moment, that this will be pivotal right now for history and that the U.S. has to give everything they can to Ukraine. This could last years. I I don't understand how the president, President Biden, could talk about genocide occurring and not want to do more to end this conflict. We need to give Ukraine what they need in the Donbass to maneuver around those rigid Russian forces. That means more Humvees, more helicopters, more drones. Uh, We need to do more uh, to give Ukraine the capacity to fight back. Otherwise, this will last longer uh, than it should. And why drag this out? What is the philosophy, you guys? What do you think is going on in our president's head that he's dripping and drabbing? And so far, Zelensky is going, look, they are building up a tank. There's a couple miles long tanks that are building up the Russians right across the border. Now Vladimir Putin saying, you know what, after uh, some invasion on our territory, in other words, after our warship was sunk, there's going to be huge payback. So what are we waiting for? Are we going to be after the fact, after he does something horrible like we were just talking about, maybe even chemical weapons or something like that? 
then we're going to say, oh, God, maybe now we should give them the MIGs after 10 or 20 or 30,000 people have been killed. We have to do it now. We have to do it not just for Ukraine, but for freedom. That's my feeling, guys. You know how passionate I am about this. And I think it is outrageous that this administration has just looked so lackluster. But it's par for the course. It's like Afghanistan. It's like our U.S. border. It's like all these things. This administration has just been so lame. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike. On line one, Mike, what do you think we should do now? Uh, well, Rita, happy Easter to everybody. Uh, I think uh, the Ukrainians are doing it the right way. They're taking a fight to them. But we got to help them take the fight to them. They need motorcycles and jet skis. Okay, forget about the big tanks and the big Humvees and all. They don't need them. They got handheld missile throws, okay? They need the speed, all right? What gives them the speed of motorcycles with little single-wheel trailers to carry what they need to carry with them. And they need jet skis. Take out more ships. They drop the jet skis with helicopters or whatever way they can. They send them jet skis and motorcycles. They need speed. They need to take the fight to them. Don't let them take the fight to the Ukrainians. It's going to be over then. They need motorcycles like dirt bikes. I mean, they, the New York City Police Department has hundreds of them they confiscated. All, all hey, they, Mike, they, Mike, they, Mike yes. I, you know what? I, if, if you're seeing one of these Russian tanks, I think you sort of need a tank. Uh, I don't think a motorcycle... Is really going to work. Who was it? Steve McQueen. Remember in The Great Escape? He had the motorcycle and then he came up upon the, uh, the fence. They need a little more hardware, I think, than a motorcycle. I need, I think they'll take anything. By the way, I'm sure they would take motorcycles, but I think they need whatever they can get. But Mike, I love you and I, I agree. Throw the kitchen sink, whatever we can give them. Let's go to Mark on line three, North Carolina. Mark, go ahead. Yeah. Hey, Rita. I'm enjoying the show. By the way, where are you in beautiful North Carolina? I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I love Raleigh. I used to work at WBTV in Charlotte, so I love the Carolinas. You bet. Yeah, um, my opinion is that um, we need to give Ukraine whatever they need. These lists of things that they request go to the DOD, and they'll check off this. They'll say no to this, yes to this, no to this. We just need to greenlight whatever they want. They need these supplies. But one of the things that's come out of the, the Donbass war, which has been going on since 2014, is that the Kiev government has a tendency to want to concentrate their supplies around Kiev. And we need to encourage the Ukrainians to move this equipment out to Mariupol, out to Odessa, and get it out in the hands of the people that need it. You just had a 1,000 Ukrainian Marines who surrendered this week. They had no ammunition. We've sent millions of rounds of ammunition. That should never be the case. So I think our government needs to uh, not just think about getting supplies there, but how to get the supplies in the hands of the troops that need it. Yep. And by the way, Mark, that's one of the things, too, that they're saying is that, like, some of it's coming to the border, but then it's exactly getting to the guys on the front. And right now, they're in a fight for everything they can get. I agree with you. Uh, Let's go to Jeff on line five. Jeff, your thoughts. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. How you doing, Rita? You're helping me prepare food for Easter over here. Oh, good, 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 good. Well, let's pray for peace on Easter for Ukraine, boy. It's it's bad. Listen, here's the story. You know, I'm really sick of the question, why? Why is nothing being done? Why don't we do more? The answer is, Rita, because Joe Biden and his administration is doing exactly what they've been paid to do. Nothing. 
And guess who suffers? We do, Jeff. Exactly. Exactly. And the only thing I can say is they need air support. Motorcycles aren't going to do it. Missiles aren't going to do it. Air support's going to do it. Supplies will do it. Food will do it. Fuel will do it. But above all, air support. Well, and you know what, Jeff? I've said from day one, send in the MiGs for that reason, Jeff. I've, you know, because to me, they should have just done it. They shouldn't have announced it. They should have snuck it on a train or a bus in the middle of the night or a vehicle, a truck in parts, whatever it is. Bring it in. They shouldn't have told anybody. And quite frankly, they should have brought it in before Putin invaded. I mean, the fact that we're like, oh, let's hurry up and put something. It's like, let's hurry up. Let's hurry up. It's a, it is ridiculous. They should have armed Ukraine to the teeth, and then maybe he wouldn't have invaded. Uh, Jeff, great call. Thank you so much. Let's go to Victoria on line six. Victoria, your thoughts about the lack of movement from this administration on this. My goodness. Uh, I agree with Jeff. I think he really hit the nail on the head. And sometimes when you see things don't make sense, the logic isn't there. If you look between the lines or behind them, sometimes you see that there's really another intention. And my my feeling is that there is no reason why we shouldn't have uh, put our best foot forward. That would be the normal thing to do. But it didn't happen. So I keep going back to this little thought in my head that, you know, now they've uh, attached China as kind of the silent partner, if, if you will, to Putin. And is Biden tied to China? That still remains to be seen on what level. But he may be getting the pullback because he's not really allowed to push forward beyond a certain point because he has obligations or commitments. And You mean you know, um, we'll Hunter? Are you talking about uh, Hunter and his notorious laptop? Uh, that could be definitely one of the, the founding problems of the situation. But there's no logic in what uh, is being done right now. People are dying. By the way, I, I agree with you. It, it doesn't make any sense, Victoria. It's like uh, it's like self-destruction. Why would you? It's like he's scared of his own shadow, too. And and what I just said, too, had he been preemptive, you think about how different things could have been. And that saddens me for Ukraine and for the world. Victoria, thank you. Let's go to Theo, who is on line seven. Theo, your thoughts about what should happen? Because Victoria was just saying, yeah, it, it doesn't make any logical sense. It's nuts. Well, the first, uh, hi, Rita. Thanks. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, is uh, the uh, an expression we heard a little while back, several uh, several years ago, saying, "Of lad, I'll have more flexibility after the election." Oh yeah, I remember famously uh, I think, President Obama saying that. Yep. Absolutely. So on top of uh, on top of the last two callers just said, uh, which I think is obviously one of the other reasons. I seriously suspect that uh, Biden is not in control of this, uh, this whole situation, and uh, it's just a continuation of the previous foreign policy of the uh, Obama administration. And what a so mess that is. By the way, Theo, what a mess that is for the world. By the way, speaking of another really crazy policy, um, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this one, Theo, the border. We know that Title 42 is about to be lifted on the border. And if you think things are crazy now, that's a whole other thing, too, that we were just talking about. It's like, why would you have an open border? And why would you, after everything that's happened, say, okay, well, I'm going to lift Title 42 and basically have two or three times the amount of illegal immigrants crossing our border? There's a report that a Guatemala caravan coming from Guatemala 
is working its way to the U.S.-Mexico border. And guess when thousands of them are going to show up? On May 23rd. That is the day that Title 42, which was the health restriction that was going to keep them out, that's been in place for two years, even though it's barely been enforced by this administration. It was by the Trump administration, but not by this. That's when they are lifting it. And how insane is that? It goes to what Victoria was saying. It doesn't make any sense, guys. This is nuts. So take a listen. This is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and how he describes that Texas is taking the law into their own hands now. Take a listen. If you look at the border statistics from 1990 through 2021 and project out the Biden administration, we'll be nearly 60 million people yeah. here illegally. That's We cannot be invaded at that scale. The, the, the impact on our education system, our health care system, crime. So we in Texas will do the job. We can do the job. The federal government needs to get out of the way or do their job. But that's what we're attempting to do so through the buses, through the trucking and through putting thousands of troopers on the border and thousands of National Guard. And Texas is now sending people, migrants to D.C. Basically, Governor Abbott said, you know what, if Biden's not going to come to the border, we're going to bring the border to him. And so they've brought now the third bus came today to D.C. of migrants who popped in. They had to go voluntarily. Uh, but they most of them are getting a free cell phone. Boy, it's nice to be an illegal immigrant, huh? Well, this is what Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick had to say about the Biden administration. And to Victoria's point that this president is just doing so many things that are destructive to our country, the border really epitomizes it. And I want to get your take on this as well. This is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. And this whole administration is a joke. Look, people are dying. Children are being sex trafficked. Women are being sex trafficked. Fentanyl is coming into this country. Again, millions are pouring across the border. Do you know that under the first full four years of Biden administration, it's possible that he will allow more people into this country than live in Texas today? Twenty nine million. I've had it with her. I've had it with him, the vice president, uh, their their secretary of of ICE and and, uh, Homeland Security, because they're doing nothing. They are doing nothing. And when we come back, I want to take your calls on the border and anything else you want to talk about on this Friday night here on the Rita Cosby Show. Beto O'Rourke, who was running for office again, had the audacity to say that Title 42 is a bad policy and that he thinks it's great that it's being lifted. Uh, What? You think it's a bad policy to block people out for health reasons that could have health issues? You think, come on in, even if you have health problems into America, these are loony lefties, and this is what's happening to our country, and this president is bowing down to them. 1-800-848-9222. How concerned are you about the border, and is Biden just sitting back on this one, too? A little Michael Jackson here on the Rita Cosby Show on this Friday night, and uh, boy... We could use some singing and dancing at the border because there's nothing to be joyous about. In fact, there's reports that now a lot of the illegal immigrants who are crossing our border right now, even with Title 42 in place, are taking selfies by like the half-built border wall kind of mocking us. And there's reports that there are several major caravans that are making their way to the U.S. southern border because they know that Title 42 is about to be lifted on May 23rd. And guess what day these caravans are arriving that they're planning to be there at the border about to cross into America? Right around the 23rd. 
What a coincidence. They're seeing the headlines like we are, and they know the floodgates will be open and that people not will not be checked. They will not be vetted. And many of them, instead of getting any sort of ankle bracelet or anything like that, will simply get a cell phone and say, hey, come back and report back at some point. Wouldn't it be nice to get a free cell phone from the U.S. government? Wow. Well, take a listen to Beto O'Rourke, because to me, this epitomizes everything that's wrong with the far left-leaning Democratic side of the party. Take a listen. Title 42 is bad policy. We have seen rising numbers of encounters on the U.S.-Mexico border. I would argue that Title 42 has a lot to do with that. The same person is trying to cross again and again and again. If we end Title 42, we can apprehend those who are attempting to cross in the United States. Really? Does anybody really think that that's the case? I mean, this is just nuts. Take a listen. This is Ashley Moody. She is the attorney general of the state of Florida. And she said that Beto is so out of whack. He has no idea what it means when he says, come on in, basically open borders, everybody. You know, I feel sorry for the folks in Texas that have a candidate like that that's running for governor. He has no clue about how the immigration system works or what the problems really are. Poor Beto. He's ignorant of what is occurring on the ground and in reality in the United States of America today. Poor Beto. Wow, is he off his mark. And by the way, everybody, I talked a lot about the border and talked with Rob Astorino. He is the current New York GOP, one of the GOP candidates for governor. He is also the former Westchester County executive. And he talked about these secret migrant flights. He's the one who blew the lid on those secret migrant flights in Westchester County, New York, that were coming in in the dead of night. And you've got to check out the Protecting America podcast. It's my new one that just went up. You can go on my social media, at Rita Cosby. Check it out if you're not following me. Make sure that you follow me on Twitter and Facebook and all the other great platforms. But also on Twitter, you will see we just posted a little bit ago the new episode of Protecting America. And it's with Rob Astorino where he talks about those secret migrant flights, what he saw firsthand and why he thinks this is one of the greatest threats to security in our country. Check it out. It's a new edition of Protecting America. You can see on my Twitter handle, at Rita Cosby, and also wherever you download podcasts, um, they will definitely see Protecting America, this new edition, Rita Cosby, interviewing Rob Astorino about those secret migrant flights. Let's go to your calls, everybody. Let's go to Jimmy on line three. Jimmy, what do you make of the border? And I agree with Rob. This is a huge security threat to America. Go ahead. Well, this could be the ending of America. Now, one somebody I was talking to the other day said there might be just one percent, just one percent of these people are bad. You know, maybe criminals, assassins, terrorists, snipers, or spetsnats. Well, one percent of two million is like twenty thousand. You imagine twenty thousand criminals coming in, organized, whether they're assassin teams or terrorist teams. Also, the left knows. If Trump won in a district by 5,000 votes, you send 20,000 new people to that area. If Trump won someplace else by 100,000 votes, you send 200,000 people to that area. And that's not counting the 100,000 a year that they're killing from the, the drug cartels with the drugs. This is an organized movement. It's very serious, well thought out. 
by uh, Putin invaded Ukraine. All our attention is over on Ukraine. We're losing here. If we lose here, the communists, the globalists, they get the entire world. America is always the number one target. Yeah, That's and you, and you bring up, but you know, Jim, you wonder too now, and thank you very much for the call, but you wonder now, uh, what does that mean, you know, for security on so many levels? Like who's crossing the border? They can't check their criminal records in America, let alone their criminal records in these other countries. And suddenly we're about to get two to maybe three times the amount. They're saying up to 18,000 people may cross the border every day. And right now we have anywhere from like, say, three to five. Some people say eight at the most. They're expecting eighteen to 20,000 migrants crossing the border every day. They can't even handle the ones they get now. This is really, to me, such an enormous, massive security concern. Let's go to Francis, line seven, real quick. Francis, your thoughts. This is just another extension of Obama's controlling Biden. Obama knows where Biden's buried, uh, buried the bones with Hunter and with everything. That's an interesting point, Francis. Very interesting. Let's go to Stephen real quick. Stephen, line six, your thoughts. You heard from Francis. What do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting thought indeed. No, this is like like these people have been saying. This is an attack against America on the southern border anyway. Yeah. No, no, no. And by the way, I agree, Stephen, very, very much. It is a big, big threat, and it's a huge threat to our security. Everybody love talking with you. Have a great week and have a great Easter, and I'll talk to you Monday. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.